Welcome to the podcast of the Unitarian Universalist Area Church at First Parish in Sherborne. No matter who you are, who you love, we welcome you into our community of religious seekers. Please join us for our worship services each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. More information can be found on our website at uuac.org or visit our Facebook page at Sherborne Unitarian Universalist. Enjoy the sermon. This morning's reading will be shared by Catherine McHugh. Catherine. Thanks, Nathan. Today's reading is from the beloved writer and teacher, Quaker Parker Palmer. When Alexis de Tocqueville visited the United States in the early 1830s, he was only 27 years old. But after spending a year among us, the young French intellectual returned home to write the classic Democracy in America. In it, he predicted that this democracy's future would depend heavily on the habits of the heart its citizens developed, habits that form a vital part of democracy's infrastructure. For de Tocqueville, heart meant much more than feelings. The word comes from the Latin core. It points to the core of the self where all of our ways of knowing converge, intellectual, emotional, intuitive, imaginative, experiential, relational, and bodily, among others. De Tocqueville believed that America's religious communities would be critical in forming our habits of the heart, for better or for worse. As a Christian, I don't need to be schooled on the worst that religion is capable of doing to democracy. When it comes to the political toxicity of some forms of Christianity, Holden Caulfield got it right in The Catcher in the Rye when he uttered those famous words, old Jesus probably would have puked if he could see it. But some critics of religion seem to be stuck in the 16-year-old Holden Caulfield stage of development, able to see only part of the picture, and enamored of their own power to say scandalous things. The truth is that leaders and members of some churches, synagogues, and mosques, conservative and liberal alike, have worked hard for a long time to serve the common good, and they have the openness of heart to do the job. Those religious communities, to say nothing of our schools, which de Tocqueville also regarded as critical, could make a vital contribution to democracy by teaching and practicing five habits of heart on which so much depends. Number one, in understanding that we are all in this together, we are a profoundly interconnected species as the global economic and ecological crises reveal in vivid and frightening detail. We must embrace the simple fact that we are dependent on and accountable to one another. Two, an appreciation of the value of otherness. Although we are all in this together, we spend most of our lives in tribes. Thinking of the world as us in them is one of the limitations of the human mind. The good news is that us and them doesn't need to mean us versus them. 
Instead, it can remind us of the ancient traditions of hospitality to the stranger, which is rooted in the notion that the stranger has much to teach us. Hospitality invites otherness into our lives to expand our minds and hearts and to help us feel more at home amid the diversity of humankind. Number three, an ability to hold tension in life-giving ways. Encounters with the stranger inevitably take us to places of tension where we don't want to be, places where we see and hear things that run counter to our convictions. If we fail to hold these tensions creatively, they will shut us down and take us out of the action. The genius of the human heart and of democracy lies in their capacity to use such tensions to generate insight, energy, and new life. Number four, a sense of personal voice and agency. Insight and energy give rise to new life as we speak and act, expressing our version of truth while checking and correcting it against the truth of others. Many of us lack confidence in our own voices and in our power to make a difference. We have been deformed by educational and religious institutions that treat us as members of an audience instead of actors in a drama. So we become adults who treat democracy as a spectator sport. And yet it remains possible for us, young and old alike, to find our voices, learn how to use them, and know the satisfaction that comes from, from contributing to positive change. And five, a capacity to create community. Without community, it is nearly impossible to achieve voice. It takes a village to raise a Rosa Parks. Without community, it is nearly impossible to multiply the power of one. It took a village to translate Park's act of personal integrity into social change. In a mass society like ours, community rarely comes ready-made, but creating a community where we live and work doesn't mean abandoning other parts of our lives to become full-time organizers. The steady companionship of two or three kindred spirits can kindle the courage we need to speak and act as citizens. If I were asked for two words to summarize the habits of the heart citizens need to help democracy survive and thrive, I'd choose chutzpah and humility. By chutzpah, I mean knowing that I have a voice that needs to be heard and the right to speak it. By humility, I mean accepting the fact that my truth is always partial and may not be true at all. So I need to listen with openness and respect, especially to the other. So friends, here is our world. Beautiful and terrible things continue to happen all around us. Let us keep our hearts tender and our eyes soft and our words true. 
this is what you and I are about, or at least we try to be. We know there is no answer but to love each other. We bear witness against unnecessary destruction. We gather in community to practice being the person that we say we want to be. And then we remember that we cannot do everything, but we can do something. And that something is never nothing. And so as Leonard Cohen reminds us, we ring the bells that still can ring. There's a crack in everything. And you can say with me, that is how the light gets in. Yesterday, Saturday, February 12th, I um, was driving around a little bit through the center of Holliston. There's a CVS on Central Street. And I saw uh, great hordes of people and they were not socially distanced and they were mostly men and they were filing into the CVS there on Central Street to purchase Valentine's Day cards just in the nick of time. And um, outside the CVS and everywhere, there are, there are hearts everywhere. There are red hearts that Catherine showed up. There are pink hearts, there are cherry hearts, there are purple hearts, there are maroon hearts, there are white hearts, all colors of hearts. There is even on the, on the front lawn of the White House, you might have seen big hearts, heart signs put there by Dr. Jill Biden, the first lady, and they had on them healing and comfort and strength and family. And no, not today will I ask, why does it always fall to the first lady to be the chief decorator in the White House? What's the first gentleman doing, for example, the husband of Vice President Kamala Harris? Anyway, hearts are always associated with Valentine's Day, and there's usually an arrow running through even though as the etymology that, that Catherine reminded us tells us that heart actually means so much more than um, feeling. And instead it points to all of who we are as people, the things that we sense with our bodies, our intuition, our, the things we imagine, our relationships, our experience, our body. Like the heart, it's all of who we are converging into one in the center of who we are, not in our heads, not our thoughts, but our whole selves into this, the center of ourselves, the center of our bodies, our heart finds its home. So I'm holding all that, today's Valentine's Day, and I'm also aware that tomorrow is President's Day, which feels about just like the worst or the best timing ever given this past week. This past week, is, as we all relived the whole insurrection all over again with the impeachment trial, most especially that 13-minute low-light video that ought to be and should be, and I hope will be, compulsory viewing for every American, for every American, unedited and in full color, so that we can bring our whole hearts, our whole selves 
to the honest reckoning with the former president's incitement toward violence and the honest reckoning with the politicians who remain complicit. Some of them during the video, I hope you saw doodling on a piece of paper or checking their phones. Or as one Senator did up in the visitor loft with his feet splayed out over the desk in front of him in a posture of whatever. So I was getting super frustrated and, <laughs> and angry as I was writing this out yesterday. And I was thinking though, after months and months and months and months of my heart and your heart getting roughed up and rigid and fenced in like the Capitol is still this morning, getting roughed up by the politics, but roughed up also, but just the, the same, the numbing sameness and even the boredom of being sort of locked away in our homes. This morning, I was even coming over to my wife's office, which is where I am, and I was trying to plug in all the devices and the lights and the thing, and I just heard myself say out loud, I am so tired of this. So there's all the boredom, but then there's like this arrow that comes through my heart and your heart, but it's not the arrow of Cupid, it's the arrow of fear. It's the arrow of COVID. Because even as some of us get the vaccine, others of us, most recently, my own son Emerson, he's okay, but he tested positive a week ago. As we all wait and wait and wait for spring, for the chance to roll up our sleeves, for kids to go back to school, for hugs, for touch, for something beyond screens, for connection beyond our bubble, if you have one, for anything and everyone and everything that we miss. You know what my heart wants? It's gonna sound cliche, but like it's gonna sound like the CVS card that I didn't buy. My, my heart, after all of this time of being roughed up and just being rigid and fenced in, it wants something like a language of love. But I feel like I don't know how to speak the language anymore. There's been, um, in my heart, there's been so much in your heart, so much like anger, like fear, the disappointment, insurrection, social distance, acquittal. It's like the chambers of my heart and your heart have gotten too narrow. And I want more chambers in my heart to get beyond the broken parts. I still wanna know that my heart and your heart is capable of love, it's capable of connection. That's why I, uh, when I found Parker Palmer's reading, he's a great Quaker uh, teacher and writer. He's just extraordinary. And it was a long reading, but I, I felt like we needed, I needed to hear the habits of the heart. I need to develop some new habits. It's not about checking my 
social media feed and watching the news at 6.30, waiting to see whatever thing that's going to happen next is going to um, make me angry. I need new habits. I think you need new habits. We need new habits together. So as Catherine showed up in her beautiful hearts, her five hearts, I wonder which one you think you need to practice right now, this month, today, tomorrow. What invisible string you need to pluck to develop a new habit. Is it that you're all in this together, as Catherine described? Knowing, of course, that all is separated and different according to whether you're a man or a woman or whether you're white or black, whether you have a job that you can do Zoom from or you have to go to work, knowing that that's different, but that we're all somehow together, somehow. We're accountable to each other. I want to feel that. I want to have that habit again. Do you want to appreciate the value of the other? I try to. Last week, I walked down to the lake and there's all these ice fishermen. And I saw all these trucks and they had all these Trump stickers, and I immediately made all of these assumptions about them, and I grew fearful, and I didn't want to go out onto the lake with my dog, because I feel like I can't be around these people. I don't want to live this way anymore. I somehow want to be hospitable to the stranger, and I don't know how. Is it the ability to hold tension? I mean... (laughs) I think that's what we've been holding for the whole year. But I just don't want to hide from conflict. I want to feel like I can be comfortable or sort of comfortable with discomfort right now. You know, it's true that not all relationships can handle conflict, but it's also true that not all relationships can handle avoidance. That's true, too. I want to figure out what that habit looks like. You know, maybe your habit, as Catherine read, is about finding your voice. I'm especially thinking of the the youth in our community and beyond who have like just at home in their rooms listening to the teacher, God bless them, but who are separated from their voice and their agency. It's about finding our truth and then being able to check that against someone else's truth. And I don't mean relative truth, depending on what news station you watch. I mean about the things that move you to live your life according to your values. That's, that's the truth that I mean. We need to be heard, my friends, but we also need to figure out how to hear. And I don't know how to do that. I need a new habit. And last, you know, create community. I mean... Zoom sucks. Can I just say it out loud in like the best phrase that I can think of? It totally does. I'm like fed up. I'm fed up. But you know what's worse? Being alone. So I want to thank each of you, each 117 devices and the multiple peoples that are on and upon each device for making the effort when you can giving yourself a break when you can't, but when you can to show up to remind me, your minister, 
Yeah, Nathan, you can keep going. You can develop a new habit of the heart. You help me have heart. That's what courage means, by the way. From the French, to have heart. You help me, and I want to help you to develop new habits these days. But that's just me. Dara, how about you? That mute thing. Coming after Nathan, I should have gone first, Nathan. It's just not fair. Um, so as Nathan acknowledged, today is Valentine's Day. And I got to confess, it is my very least favorite holiday of all of them. It's all Hallmark cards, you know, the ones with the sort of softly sweetened, gentle, romantically photographed roses and hearts. And, you know, it's out of focus. And inside, there's a lovely canned message. This is a day dedicated to love, people. Love. And we're offered namby-pamby, milk toast, hazy, out of focus sentimentality? That's not love, at least not in my experience. Love is fierce. It is a bare-knuckled brawl of engagement. And before you guys start, you know, tuning out and thinking that Dara's gone off the deep end and you've got no idea what she's talking about because it's certainly not love, I'm gonna ask you to give me a chance and bear with me. So when my older son was an infant and we started him on solid foods, it didn't go well at all. It turns out he's got multiple food allergies. And um, I got to the point where I was afraid to feed him at all. And let me tell you that watching your nine month old have an anaphylactic reaction is not something I would wish on anyone. Every time I introduce new foods, hives, hives upon hives upon hives and lots more hives and sometimes anaphylaxis. <laughs> but wait, there's more. So at like a year old, he started having sleep apnea. And I told his doctor who brushed me off saying, children this young don't get sleep apnea. And yet he stopped breathing for 10, 15, 20 seconds Every two minutes, he stopped breathing, and I held my breath with him. It was around that time that I engaged in that bare-knuckled brawl of love. But you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to give up. If Nathan confesses to being tired now, that was me. I was so tired, and I was frightened all the time. And I asked myself, what fool decided to give me a child? Where was my Hallmark moment? Where are the roses and soft lighting? Nowhere, that's where, I'm gonna tell you, because love doesn't look like that in the real world. Out here, love is fierce. It straightens your back, it dries your tears, and it stares right back at you asking, are you the fool that's gonna give up? Love is fierce. It calls us to be engaged, to be the annoying mama 
who asks the doctor again and again and again until the doctor listens. So are you guys with me now? All right. So it seems unbelievable that it's been almost a year since everything hit the fan with COVID. This past year, I have felt the call of fierce love over and over and over again. And I got to ask, like a show of hands, how many of you have wanted to give up? Because I sure have. I'm with Nathan. And I just wanted to make like the bears and hibernate till all this was over. But you all haven't. Do you remember our first online service? There were nearly 200 computers and devices logged in that day. You didn't stay in bed. You didn't pull the covers up over your head. And you showed up for yourselves, for your family, for this church, and for each other. You came. And that, my friends, is fierce love. Do you remember our installation of Say Their Names? When George Floyd was murdered, you put on your masks. You made signs. And you joined together on our front lawn of the church. And you showed the world that here in this church, in this community, we love fiercely. We do not sanction police violence against our black and brown siblings. We remember you, George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor. Your lives mattered and this world is poorer without you in it. Fierce bare knuckled brawl love asks us to stay in community, to stay engaged and connected. Despite pandemic, despite how overwhelmed we feel. So on this Valentine's Day, I gotta tell you, this is what I am struggling with. If we are people who love with determination and we have shown that we are, if, spirit, if love is the spirit of this church, we say that every Sunday, if love's the spirit of this church, what is love calling you to do in this church? moment? What is the fierce bare-knuckled brawl, this raw and tender love asking of you? Because this broken world needs more than a hallmark moment. This is not a time for casual, fair weather, part-time, fear-free and easy, when I feel like it, love. This world needs us to keep on as we have done this last year, to write letters, to hold our legislators to account, to show up for each other, to show up in ways big and small, to show up when you don't want to, to show up when you are too tired, to show up when you'd rather pull the covers over your head, to show up when you are afraid and feeling hopeless, to show up. Because sometimes all that loves asks us to do is to show up. As I was thinking about this sermon, Mary Oliver's poem, The Summer Day, kept looping through my brain and wouldn't let me go. And it was her last few lines that really were grabbing me. So as my Valentine's gift to you all, I'm going to leave you with these retooled and slightly bastardized lines from her poem that have taken root within me. And it is, tell me, what is it you plan to do with your wild, 
precious and fiercely tender love. Spirit of compassion and love, may we let this question take root in our hearts, that we may show up for each other, that we engage in the bare knuckle brawl of love that we and our world so desperately need. May it be so and amen. <laughs>